In this lesson, we will consider the royal prerogative. Now, unlike most of the legal and non-legal sources that we considered that make up the UK's constitution, the royal prerogative falls outside the perimeters of acts of parliament, case law, common law, even constitutional conventions. These are the remainder of powers still vested with the crown. Now, there are certain distinctive features of the prerogative that we must consider before moving on. Firstly, it is something which is unique to the crown. They are completely powers vested only with the crown. However, these powers are recognized by court. There is no parliamentary legislature that is enacted that defines a particular prerogative, although parliament can limit or remove prerogatives. Moreover, the enforcement of a prerogative does not require the sanction of an act of parliament either. Now, there are several occasions in which the royal prerogative is exercised by the crown, but for the purposes of distinguishing it from the rest, as well as to categorize it in a more efficient manner, we can consider a few examples, both domestic and foreign. Uh, in relation to domestic examples of where royal prerogatives are exercised, we can consider the appointment of ministers, primarily the prime minister, and the summoning and the dissolution of parliament. In relation to foreign instances where royal prerogatives are exercised, we can consider the power to enter into treaties and even declare war and peace. Now, it's notable that the exercise of these royal prerogatives are in fact done in accordance with advice from the Prime Minister and the Cabinet of Ministers. However, there are some prerogatives that are personal to the sovereign that does not necessarily affect the country or the state, but rather the monarchy itself. A good example of this is where uh, the prerogative of succession to the throne is activated by the crown. The crown, in fact, has sole prerogative authority on who succeeds or who is appointed as the next king or queen of UK. Now, we considered earlier that the royal prerogatives are not sanctioned by any acts of parliament. However, it can be limited or completely removed by parliament. It can also be done so through court as well. So firstly, in relation to parliament's control over the prerogative, there can be acts of parliament which are enacted which abolish a prerogative completely or bring it within the purview and the power of the parliament. A good example of this historically is in fact the taxation which was brought into parliament's power through the Bill of Rights in 1689. There is also of course parliamentary scrutiny which happens by way of debates, question times, select committees, so on and so forth. Courts have also on occasion controlled prerogatives uh, from having excessive power over certain institutions as well as individuals. For instance, the case of prohibitions in 1607, where it was declared that the king has no power to act judicially. The case of proclamations in 1611 also noted that the king has only the power that the law allows him. Now, over the years, it's important to note that there has been much criticism on the one hand about the crown or the queen being in place as a monarchy to this day. In the same regard, subordinately, there has been criticism uh, on why the prerogatives are still in effect. There have been many justifications of this, but the primary most important justification of the prerogatives still being in effect can be considered as 
it ensuring the immediate action on certain pivotal and emergency matters. For instance, there are instances where uh, the reservation of emergency powers, like entering into war and peace, uh, as well as signing of declarations and treaties, remains with the Crown. Of course, there is political clout in which the Crown, or the Queen in this instance, takes advice from the Prime Minister and the Cabinet of Ministers before doing so. But the very notion that certain emergency powers are vested with one person can be considered as an advantage or a disadvantage by some, depending on the situation. Now that we've considered an overview of the royal prerogative, let's summarize a few commentary as well as certain other features of the royal prerogative before moving on. In terms of a definition, which we considered earlier, being the remainder of powers vested with the crown, there have been several notable jurists and academics that have considered various other definitions for the royal prerogative. Quite notably, A.V. Dicey has noted that royal prerogatives can be considered as every act the government can do without an act. Arguably, Yardley denotes that the fact that we consider the royal prerogative with the term royal is in fact misleading because the royal prerogative does not necessarily mean just the powers remainder of powers vested with the crown, but also those which cannot be adjudicated on, but is enforced by an executive. In terms of the prerogatives in effect, there are a few rules that have cropped up over the years and centuries. One is that an act can abolish a prerogative. Parliament being supreme and sovereign over everything else in the UK, an act of parliament can abolish a prerogative. In BBC and Jones, a case available in your case summaries, which I urge you to look at, states that you can't create new prerogatives. It is the remainder of the powers vested with the crown, nothing new. Moreover, if a prerogative is not expressly abolished, it is merely suspended. Also, in summary, we considered earlier the control of prerogatives by both parliament and the judiciary. There are several acts of parliament as well as certain decisions or case law pertaining to the prerogatives being controlled or abolished which are available in your case summaries as well as this note. So I urge you to have a look at them and to dissect them before you move on to the next topic. We considered several divisions of royal prerogatives. Being numerous in nature, we had to categorize them as per Barnett as either domestic or foreign. But Yardley has denoted that prerogatives can also be defined or divided as those which affect the crown, much like the succession to the throne, as well as affecting everything else. Monroe has quite rightly dissected royal prerogatives as rights of the crown, immunity of the crown, as well as duties of the crown. Over the years, there have been many criticisms as to why the prerogatives are still in effect and not taken completely outside that of the power of the crown. Moreover, the need for emergency powers has been put forward as a justification, as we considered earlier. That was a brief overview of the royal prerogative. In the next lesson, we will move on to a pivotal aspect of constitutional law, which is the rule of law. <laughs>